0: season 9 episode 18 shout out to everybody who's been watching shout out to everybody who's been supporting shout out to everybody that has helped us to get this far so far i'm here with a special guest introduce yourself okay 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 so we thank monique simpson for monique simpson
1: yeah
0: monique simpson. oh i got it right the first time <laughs> so shout out to you monique for coming through today and shout out to all of you for watching shout out to all of you that has been supporting us so far thus far Shout out to all the people that follow us on Instagram. That's at The Real World Ministries Inc. on Instagram, at The Real World Ministries Inc. on Instagram. Also, Facebook.com backslash The Real World7. The Real World7 like Mike Vic or The Real World Ministries Inc. on Facebook or check us out on YouTube. The Real World TV on YouTube. That's one word. The Real World TV on YouTube. Also, we're on the Brick Network every Tuesday and Thursday at 12, 1, and 4. So Money, tell us about what it is that you do and more about the business that you're into.
1: So, my primary, Renewed, Renewed Studio Wellness Arts is a wellness coaching company, and we focus on holistic health. Mm -hmm. At first, we focused on nutrition, Mm -hmm. then I realized that, my goodness, there's so much more to health than nutrition, Mm -hmm. and um, the inspiration behind nutrition was to um, combat diet related illnesses Mm -hmm. so that's why we started with nutrition and then we realized like hey people need way more they need um, to manage stress they need to explore themselves they need outlets that inspires them to create so with that said um, we moved from nutrition to yoga high intensity exercises
0: um and art therapy mm. mm-hmm. oh wow i'm familiar with art therapy in a the sense that um through working at the mental health shelters one of the things that they usually do is help the people express their feelings through art and sometimes even though if they're suffering from bipolar schizophrenia or depression or anxiety or what it may be they're able to express those feelings and emotions through art is this something that you witness yourself
1: Yes, um, I have a background um, with working with people with intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. So um, within that field, we utilized um, art therapy in a sense of visual art, but also through, you know, music and um, functional art. I could say that's art that you can utilize within the home, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So we ended up coining the term Wellness art, um, as a result of all of the different types of ways people explore themselves and um, you know, just figure out what they're made to
0: create. <laughs> if someone was to ask, what does wellness art look like? how would you describe it?
1: Wellness arts are wellness arts, okay, so wellness art is the arts that inspire. People, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that art is um, very closely um, related to nature. Mm. So um, it's what we what we see in nature, what we hear, um, what we feel. So um, wellness arts encompasses all of those things. So that's why we have music, we have visual arts, we have um, functional art, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. art that art that you can actually utilize within your home and um you know yoga all the things that we have it, it just encompasses wellness arts
0: hmm. yeah so what got you into this I'm...
1: well um i worked for what is say 17 years yeah 17 years i worked um in social services servicing people with special needs mm-hmm. and i got into the field by accident and then um, you know I stuck with it and just explored the different areas that services people with special needs and um, that goes from um, in the schools to facilities when um, children turn into adults and then to in-home services when um, the population lives with their family to the group home mm. setting where they live with, um, you know, other people of similar, you know, similar diagnosis or similar population. Mm. So I ended up working within all the different areas and, um, one of the things that um, was neglected, or not such a big deal for that population was, um, well, wellness. Mm-hmm you they made sure that you know the individual was safe so i kind of i I take that back it wasn't that (laughs) they didn't care about their wellness. it wasn't that but um other than what were the necessities for them to survive Mm -hmm. the other activities that you know really made the individuals like happy and discover themselves and um you know all of the the things that we had no idea that was within them as a being so um, I coached that population and then coached people that work with that population and um, my pilot program for renewed actually started in uh, one of the day habilitation programs and um, you know wellness is for everyone so um, we do serve so as people of all abilities. And, um, you know, I just kind of merged my work experience and my personal experience, and then that was the birth
0: of Renewed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nice. And how long have you been, um, I guess the creator of Renewed, how long have you been doing this for?
1: Um, I would say I've been doing this for 17 years. Mm-hmm. But um, as a, within Renewed, We opened in, we started in 2015, um, and 2019, uh, we had our first brick and mortar. wow. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's funny how we met, right? We met um, about two weekends ago at the Meepo um, Hall of Fame (laughs) Award Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shout out to uh, Meepo, Making the Impossible Possible, and shout out to um, Felina Becker, of course, and the entire Meepo staff. And both um, me and Monique were honorees um, for the award. And she told me how she saw the show on Instagram. And I thought it would be a great idea for us to come on. You also spoke about the work that you did with Meepo as well. Do you want to talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, it was so interesting um, just how I connected with Meepo. Uh, I was at an event where the first lady at the time of Guyana was having like a chat, an intimate chat, about the works that she was doing in Guyana mm. and Felina sang the Guyanese national anthem. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, you, you sang it so beautifully. Are you Guyanese? She was like, no, I'm Haitian. I was like, oh my gosh! You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? And um, she told me about Mipo, Mipo and the work that they were doing in the community and. Mm. I was just so touched and excited and you know i had just opened up renewed and she told me that she was going to um she was going to haiti Mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks and i was like i want to (laughs) go and she was like really and i'm like yeah i want to go so it was um just divinity Mm -hmm. um curiosity being open and um, when I worked, when I uh, went on the mission with Mipo, mm. I taught yoga to the children in the summer camp. Oh, so that was an amazing experience. So um, amazing in so many ways because that was my first time in Haiti. Mm. And um, I'm known as the Guyanese Haitian, first of all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why is that?
1: I'm known as the Guyanese Haitian because I grew up in the Haitian community. I, I live in a Flatbush community. and. Um, you know, I, my mother is a single mom, was a single mom, she's no longer with us, mm. and, um, I was surrounded by Haitian people, so they always looked out for me, um, listened to Haitian music, I cook Haitian food, like, oh, yes, yeah? Yeah, so I'm like a 90s Haitian. Like, what Haitian city. food do you cook? Um, legume, version. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, tasso at the time. I, I ate a lot of tasso, uh, you know, at the time when I learned to cook it. Um, and, you know. What's tasso? What, I don't even know. Tasso. Is that, that like taso? pork? That's fried
0: goat. Oh, fried goat. It's okay, marinated
1: and okay. fried goat. okay, okay.
0: So it, oh, it has so like open. a
1: pickled, it has a pickled taste. Ugh. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't eat meat anymore, mm. but at the time that I learned to cook it, I was like amazed. Like, Yeah, I don't
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: like the smell of goat. You don't like the smell
0: of goat? No. Wow. What do you eat? I eat mostly chicken, for the most part, and turkey. Um, Every now and then, I do eat red meat. Okay. When I do eat red meat, I might have lamb. Um, Sometimes I have beef. Maybe I eat beef maybe once a week. Okay. I try to eat clean, but I do need the protein.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, tell us a story. You went to... So, um, yeah. So,
1: Haiti. First time in Haiti. Amazing experience. Um, I felt I felt at home, you know, so um, It was nothing for me to to go there Um, I was already familiar with the culture and I was just very happy to be there. I was very happy to work with the children and even though you know, I mean guess what guys I'm i am the Guyanese Haitian, but I don't speak Creole. I only know the songs. <laughs> <laughs> I could sing a whole song, but conversational, no.
0: Wow.
1: Um, so I have to work on that. you sing a song, then you know the words. Well, that's from memorization, you oh, know? Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, working with the children was also an, an amazing experience because, you know, they didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. So the assistant principal um, would translate. And when they saw me, they would just say, um, Bonjour uh, Monique Um, and then they would say breathe in breathe out (laughs) That's when they looked at me. That's all they said and it was just it was just a really humbling experience Mm -hmm. to be there. So
0: how long um, you was there for?
1: um, I think it was like two weeks.
0: Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Did you feel safe out there? Because that was always the big question about being in Haiti.
1: I felt safe, you know, at the time when I mentioned to um, you know, a lot of the, the people that, that you know, saw me grow up and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to Haiti. they was like, ah, why are you going now? Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can't go another time. You might not
0: come back. Oh my
1: <laughs> gosh. And I'm like, um, I'm still going. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, listen, if I got to go doing what I love, then that's what it is. But I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's, that was my experience with repo, my okay. amazing experience.
0: Mm. Did you live amongst the people, or did you stay separate?
1: Um, we we stayed in OCAP. It was a hotel, mm-hmm. and then we spent some time in Port-au-Prince. Okay, Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. I spoke to Felina about this, um, I think the next day after the award show, how inspired I was to go back. Like, I myself am a Haitian immigrant, but I haven't been back since I came to America. Mm -hmm. As in, I left since the age of two and never been back. Ironically Mm -hmm. enough, I went to the Dominican side and never been to the Haitian side. Oh, wow. And I even been to Mexico, St. Lucia, Belize, all these other countries, but i never been to my own country. And so, I was inspired to make that trip this year, so God willing... Um, I'm actually from Ocop. Ocop is Cape Haitian, um, the capital of Haiti, and so that's in the north. Um, so I'm gonna make the trip and see how it is, you know, just get back to the roots, you know, I figure that's if I could- That's amazing. Can, yeah, I figure if I could survive in Brooklyn, I shouldn't even survive <laughs> Listen, if you could survive in Brooklyn, you could survive anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So tell us about your experience growing up in Brooklyn and Flatbush, how was that?
1: Um, I am, uh, like a true Brooklynite, mm-hmm. um, I spent all of my years in Brooklyn. So much time that I often try to get away. And. <laughs> what you mean, get away? Get away, meaning any opportunity to travel, mm-hmm. I took it.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And um, I spent a uh, well. First off, my experience in Brooklyn was uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that man like how do you compare to other places like mm-hmm. I I really don't do that and as, as far as compare mm-hmm. because every place has a special um, place in my heart so it's like I can't compare places to Brooklyn but I love Brooklyn I went to Brooklyn College all of my schooling was done in Brooklyn mm-hmm. except high school I went to a high school in Manhattan okay, okay. that I did start in Brooklyn and then went off to Manhattan mm-hmm. um, I just love New York City in general. There's no place like it. I love Brooklyn because of the the diversity, the accessibility of um, different cuisines, Mm -hmm. different food. Um, And that's kind of like what kept me here. Like I've been to places like, you know, Jersey and other states. And it's like the accessibility that you have to everything that you need is just not there and mm. that I could say that's what really kept me in Brooklyn because there's there's no other place like Brooklyn
0: yeah and I understand that like like I was saying before I came to America at the age of two and I came to Brooklyn like I grew up in Bushwick up until the age of 10 then I moved to Canarsie um, I did elementary school um, junior high and high school in Canarsie Brooklyn um, I did undergrad in Brooklyn um, I currently work in Brooklyn now, um, but growing up in Brooklyn, there's so much things here and so much things to do, you oftentimes don't venture out, but then when I got older, I realized that we allow ourselves to get stuck in the box at times, um, like my first job out of college was in Newark, New Jersey, and I remember telling people, you know, I got a job in Jersey, like in Jersey, like you're bugging, and I'm like, yeah, but this is the only job during that time. Mm-hmm. So I had to travel two hours every morning um, to get to work so in Newark, New Jersey. You know, it was part of the grind. And then after that, I got a job in um, Long Island City, Queens. And then from Long Island City, Queens, I went to the Bronx. From the Bronx, I came back to Brooklyn. Yeah, I went from um, Brownsville, then East New York, then Crown Heights. And then, you know, now working down, no, before then, I went to Manhattan, Um, the, uh, washington heights mm. and then i'm back in brooklyn now and just seeing how matter of fact i'm working three blocks away from the college i went to during undergrad in Brooklyn. <laughs> so i see how much brooklyn has changed i've seen how much brooklyn has changed me and you know there's like you said there's no other place on earth like it and it does help shape you but sometimes it there's a good and bad aspect to it and mm. they said to really understand the world around you and to um really understand what it is. culture wise, you have to travel the world and traveling the world, we see like everybody has their own biases, their own beliefs, yeah. you know, their own religious background or whatever it is that helps make them up um, But then you also see like how much love you get from like perfect strangers when you go to these places, people that don't even know you, but they like you just based on the energy that you may bring.
1: Yeah, just because you're from New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's too. But I don't say I'm from New York. I say I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true.
1: It depends. It depends on where I am. I would say Brooklyn, or I'd say New York. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, work wise, I work throughout the all of the boroughs as well. And um, what helped me to not stay only in Brooklyn was because I would um, visit different homes. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that I was training people to work with. People with special needs mm-hmm. in the home, so I would be all around the boroughs. So it's not like an area of New York City like that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the most far off borough for me was uh, is Staten Island. Okay. Yeah, that's Staten Island. kind of like way yeah, off the map no for me. For <laughs> Oh, no. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 that analysis is like way off for me, um, out of all of those in NYC. Mm-hmm. Um, and pertaining to travel, you know, my mother, she um, made it her duty to ensure that the summers, mm-hmm. I spent most of my summers away somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that was my opportunity to go and visit family in, you know, London and, you know, opportunities that I would get to study abroad. I would do so and I think that it contributed to um, who I am a great deal Um, in addition to my my work experience and working with uh, a wide uh, variety and just diverse people um, people of diverse ethnicities but also um, learning to problem-solve in in other countries it, it gives you a bit of a, a different perspective on life mm-hmm. and um, it allows you to understand that experiences are much more valuable than just tangible, tangible um, values.
0: Mm-hmm. So share with us an experience that you feel like shaped your life.
1: Um, Every... Every experience traveling did, like had an impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one time I I studied abroad in China. In China, and, yeah, That's yeah. I studied abroad in China, so I was there for a couple of some time, couple of weeks, probably over a month, oh. and um, I got lost. <laughs> I myself and two other students got lost, mm-hmm. and you know um it was night cuz we were out we wanted to see i forgot the movie it was oh man this movie that's i think it's out now like one of the one of the characters in the movie fast and furious that's what it was okay, okay. fast and furious so we all of us saw fast and furious like a dozen times but yeah. we just wanted to see it in china so we went to the movies after going to um, the Japanese museum, the Japanese massacre museum. Mm. And, um, you know, we took the subway and we were excited and, you know, I kept the coin because when you go to China, you know, you, you use the coin and you have to drop it back. So they recycle the coins. So I wanted, um, something to take back as a memory. So I kept the coin and, um, we ended up getting lost. And I said to myself, and it was just, it was funny to get lost. It was a very fun experience to get lost. Mm. And I I think that we were kind of nervous, but we still, like, made the best of it and try to work through that experience. And I was like, how did I get lost in China with a person that's Dominican, doesn't even speak English properly? (laughs) I was like, like, why, Monique? Why? Like, a Dominican that doesn't speak English was not the first language. And then um, someone else that just didn't speak um, Mandarin or Cantonese or just just wasn't, um, you know, (laughs) didn't speak the language well. And, um, you know, we walked through this alleyway and it was just like a whole bunch of people and, you know, they see like they see a black girl, a Spanish girl. This other guy, and they're like, "Who the <laughs> hell are these people?" This and yeah, fell. like, but, <laughs> mind you, um, going to China made me comfortable with people staring at me, mm-hmm. and that was something that you know at that time, if you're staring, if you're in Brooklyn and in an urban community, and you're mm-hmm. staring at someone for an extended amount of time. Sometimes they have a problem with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I became so comfortable with people staring at me because. That whole oh that whole time I was in China, people were staring at me.
0: Because you're black. Or- yeah,
1: because yeah. I was black, and oh, wow. they were They a lot of people didn't see black people in person.
0: Oh, did you see any black people in China while you was there? No. Oh wow.
1: Only the people that were in the group. Oh no no no, I take that back. There were. Um, I saw black people when I went to um, when we stayed in Nanjing. So mm-hmm. there's this this part of um, Nanjing. There's this place called 1912 and it's like a community of like clubs so we would just go to hang out you know at night the students when we're finished with that work and um, there were a lot of students from
0: Africa Uh Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but did you see any black Chinese people no Uh
1: and it's so funny because at that time when um, I was preparing to go to China I learned that the first um, Chinese dynasty was black yeah yeah I just learned that information and, um, I didn't find any information pertaining to that within China. Mm. You know, they didn't have, like, any pictures that reflected, um, that the, any, like, ancient dynasties mm. of black people, there was, we didn't find anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, China's whitewashed. Yeah. Like a lot of places in the world. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, most civilization came from the melanated people, you know, from Spain, from, um, northern Europe, all the way to China. All the way to the Americas, you know, and oftentimes the history is retold by the people that conquered. Um, from what I was told, it was during the what age was that? The Age of Enlightenment, when when they started putting everything into Christianity, and then they had the doctrine of discovery. Wherever they went, and if the people didn't proclaim to be Christian or be able to understand the doctrine, then they could claimed the land under the king, <laughs> mm. so they basically were going to places where they didn't speak their language and just reading papers that they didn't understand and then just killing them.
1: Cause I they, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: because they weren't considered human if they weren't Christian. Mm, wow, <laughs> but time. I do
1: know that um, you know missionaries were sent out, uh, you know, just to convert. You know, people in Africa, and just that that whole mission had a major impact on us from those times even up to today. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: In Africa, one of the biggest things were like they wanted the rubber from the rubber trees, and so they needed people to work. So what they would do is, if you didn't want to work, they would cuff your arm. They'll cuff the arm of a family member, and they'll say you want short sleeve or long sleeve.
1: Yeah, that oppression took place in Congo. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: was... Sort of By the Dutch, I believe. The Belgian. Oh, the Belgian, yeah. hmm Leopold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting time. Um, so based on... Let's keep it with that. Based on from what you saw growing up in Brooklyn to now, do you feel like there has been a social change? Definitely. For the worse or for the better?
1: Um think that right about now it's not balanced um, I think that I <clears throat> create the balance within myself it's not balanced because um, you know people that want to come and live in certain neighborhoods can't really afford it yeah mm-hmm. and um, that kind of has a lot of people moving out of Brooklyn um, what I do enjoy Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoy the diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy the, you know, the the community as far as what was done to it. Like, you know, the sidewalk restaurants and it seems a bit more safer because a lot of places that I wouldn't walk, Mm -hmm. some blocks that I would avoid, Mm -hmm. like, it's like, you know, I feel a little safer walking there now. Mm-hmm. and then unfortunately unfortunately um, this is because you know you see a more you see a, a diverse group of people just you know just freely walking and mm-hmm. gentrification. Just, yeah gentrification you see that happening
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so I would say that you know unfortunately people are feeling like they can't afford to live in Brooklyn mm-hmm. anymore and that's unfortunate you know mm-hmm. um, but for me, I, I create the balance within, mm. so. How do you do that? Uh, meditation. Mm. Meditation and, you know, just educating myself continuously. I'm, I'm forever a student, mm. so continuously educating myself and in, um, in ways to stay in Brooklyn, mm. while helping the community at the same time.
0: Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. I would say gentrification is something that's affecting everyone. Um, There was something that was going on on social media. There was, like, how Jay-Z's old stash spot, 566 State Street, just sold for, I think it's like $1.4 million. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, how a place that used to be a place for junk dealers just sold for millions of dollars. just a studio apartment. makes sense. And that's how much Brooklyn has changed, you know? Um, A lot of us were priced out, but I feel like for... We could always blame, you know, the, the the drugs, slavery, oppression, all these other things that occurred, but there are people that were able to overcome that oppression, and there's some people that just felt victim to it and that didn't want to do better. We still see people like that today, and I'm sure there was people like that back then that didn't want to do nothing with themselves. And because of that, we weren't able to purchase a lot of things when they were much cheaper. Mm-hmm. But... There was systematic racism within <coughs> it, like the GI Bill, which allowed um a lot of white families to buy properties for zero percent down with the VI with the with the veterans bill. The veterans bill where they had to put zero percent when they buy a house with the mortgage. I think it's the G. I. bill or the what VA bill, one of them. I think it's the G. I. bill, whatever. But they it's were like in, the
1: VA law.
0: Yeah, the VA law. Mhm. The yeah. the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They still have it. So that allowed them to buy property and to build wealth. You know, you buy a house back then for 200,000, maybe it's worth 800,000 now, and you're able to borrow on that house, buy more houses, you know, reinvesting your kids to good colleges, buy or off one house, you buy another house, then you're able to move into a better neighborhood, your kid get into better schools. You know, all of that stuff takes into part. One of the things that has been an obstacle for us people of color, is when we do pass it down, a lot of our children are, are unable to hold the properties because they're not able to pay the taxes or maintain the property, and then they end up losing it.
1: That's why knowledge is power. Um, you know, the same opportunity with the, the VA loan is available to people of color. Um, you know, there's, there's other programs such as like NACA mm-hmm. that- um, What's that? Explain N- to me. N- NACA is a, is a program um, that I found out about a couple years ago. And um, <clears throat> you can um, purchase a home mm-hmm. through NACA for a low interest rate, mm-hmm. lower down payments. And um, I just find that a lot of people um, aren't knowledgeable about NACA. I think states like uh, Maryland, mm-hmm. the military states, mm-hmm. I think they're more knowledgeable about
0: naka they have it in new york too yeah oh, wow. it's
1: definitely available in new york um so i think that it's
0: NACA for the people that's watching
1: n a n as in nancy a is an apple c is in cat a a e n a c a
0: n a c a naka naka so everybody go and google naka n a c a and figure that out
1: yeah so what they do is uh you know you do a workshop you're able to, you know, create a profile and then you have, like, someone coach you, Mm -hmm. um, they tell you what you can afford, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they help you establish like, whether it's a budget, a plan to, you know, go through and purchase your property. Mm -hmm. So, I I think that once you, once you want something,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you find the information. Mm -hmm. And I think that, we need to take our wealth our health into our own hands Mm -hmm. and once you acknowledge that it's your responsibility Mm -hmm. then that's where the changes come. Change also comes when we work together Mm -hmm. so working together a lot of people, one time I said to one of my um, contacts, I said hey I wanted to purchase a building instead of I wanted to purchase a brick and mortar the mm-hmm. person said to me, um, this is a person, a Jewish person, mm-hmm. said, oh, find me something um, under market value and then I'll just get a group of people and um, split the risk and I'm like, find a group of people and split the risk? If you can find a group of people, why well, can't find a group of people and split the risk? Mm-hmm. So th- this is the way that you know other communities are thinking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times within um, our community, people want everything on their own. If they they want to know that they're getting a big chunk of nothing, mm. they want a hundred percent of the business. Mm. They don't want five percent of the business that's making five million dollars. They mm. want a hundred percent of the business that's making a dollar.
0: Mm. And um, that, or nothing at all
1: nothing at all exactly and um you know those things matter so so these are lessons that i've learned from you know just being around being within diverse communities mm-hmm. and just again forever being a student um not closing off information and and just not thinking that um anything is inaccessible to me
0: mm-hmm. So what would you say has been your biggest accomplishment thus far within your career?
1: My biggest accomplishment was um, leaving my 9 to Mm 5. Like, um, you know.
0: How long ago was that? I forgot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Okay. When I opened the brick and mortar in 2019, a couple Mm -hmm. of months later, I left because it was too expensive to
0: stay. Mm. What do you mean, too so expensive to stay? It
1: was too expensive to stay at my 9 to
0: 5. Explain that.
1: <laughs> it cost more for me to stay. Like, I would have to... Um, when I started, like, I, you know... I'm a person that thinks that almost nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I, I like Meepo, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, right? So, um, when I started... Um, renewed, I would basically teach everything, mm-hmm. and I would just start from morning to evening teaching classes, I teach cooking, teach piano, I teach a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. right? All of the skills that I've acquired um, throughout my life, I would just teach it yoga, and um, I had to be there, so how can I be at a nine to five and still be there? Mm-hmm. I would have to, I started off as the only person teaching. Mm -hmm. So um, if I were to, you know, work my 9 to 5, you know, I had a plan. I knew my industry. I just didn't just, like, just jump into something. I knew my industry. Um, And if I were to work my 9 to 5, it would cost me more Mm -hmm. money to run my business. Okay. So um, it costs more to work the 9 to 5 than to be there.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. and looking back now you feel like you made the right decision
1: yes I did because I I feel like I'm operating within my purpose Mm -hmm. and I mean those people that have known me from let's say junior high school Mm -hmm. they would say wow she has changed she has developed Mm -hmm. but the core of her has not changed and I think that that's like that's, that's honorable to me Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: do you feel like faith or religion played any part in your upbringing
1: um, you know my mom she I wasn't raised in a religious household mm-hmm. and my mother never forced religion on me because she had to go to church every day mm-hmm. like it, she had to why um, because her mom was religious okay. so she had to go to church every gay and i guess that kind of made her decide not to force religion on me Mm -hmm. um but she ensured that i was a, a spiritual being and her practices um that i witnessed growing up i realized was spirituality and was within people of people beings of all cultures and religions and things of that nature basic principles cleanliness is next to godliness being mm. one mm. she didn't play i had to keep balance clean <laughs> so just basic principles like that and um uh so religion wasn't something that was forced on me i think that she was more about balance and order and um that had an impact on me mm sure that that established some some things that got me through the toughest times discipline Mm
0: -hmm.
1: got me through the toughest times times that that were um you know if i didn't have that that foundation probably would have given up and you know just taken another path but just being steadfast Mm -hmm. i would say that those um those teachings stuck with me And definitely helped in the hard times especially when I lost during COVID Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. Was it around COVID when you first started your business or you started prior to that?
1: I started in 2019 so I started March of 2019 then boom COVID hit Mm -hmm. after and um, one thing I would say is that um, I I don't look at situations that happen or challenges Mm -hmm. as something that you know something that is to hold you back i look at challenges as a, a learning experience mm-hmm. and um from covid it taught me how to seek resources for your business provided by the government mm-hmm. so you know i wasn't in the PPP group that got a whole bunch of money, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like go to California like all the other Brooklynites.
0: <laughs> but, um, well, did you want to California? <laughs> that's a
1: whole nother story. <laughs> but I I utilize other resources like, um, you know, SBA? interns, oh. SBA, interns, all of those things um, I learned um, just free resources to um, edify myself educate myself Mm -hmm. um, within my business to help me to just continue to go on and um, I thank god man because I was seeing businesses closed left and right Mm -hmm. all around me and I was like how are we how are we going to do this but Um, It also taught me how to create a a recession-proof or, yeah, like, recession-proof business, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It taught me a lot about that. Um, Industries to get into so that, you know, when these challenges such as COVID and other unexpected things come about, you do know how to maneuver.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could say that during... Covid, we learned a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. during the entire pandemic, we were filming. Um, we were filming even when we had curfew. Like we would be here and here, oh and the alarm gosh. would go down. And what I had to do during the time I was considered an essential worker, so mm-hmm. I would print out the permission slip. And, yeah, you pulled out. Yeah, <laughs> give it to my friends. We, you know, we would hit that copy machine. <laughs> oh my god. So it was a ridiculous time. I feel like you know, and even at times like the the effect it had on us psychologically, I think that's the biggest impact that it left on us. Like, you know, even now, the, you'll see some people, the people that have social anxiety, they still wear their mask and they hide behind it. There's people that still will not go around people. There's still people that haven't left the house till today. You know, there were people that- <laughs> Really? Wow. Yeah, those people that didn't leave their house for an entire year and they were just going nuts. So, you know, being a psychotherapist, a lot of the time, the thing that a lot of clients had issues with, especially younger patients, was the social aspect, you know, finding friends again, being around people, yeah. like knowing how to behave around people once again, you know, and being, being being in normal, regular settings, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with, you know, um, resentment. A lot of people, a lot of couples broke up, a lot of people lost loved ones, a lot of families broke apart. So, you know, people dealt with that, you know, the kids that were abused, unfortunately, you know, the the domestic violence that occurred during that time. So, a lot of crime occurred during that time, you know, (laughs) with the Wild West during that time. So, all of that, you know, we're dealing with.
1: Definitely
0: a historical time. Yeah, the repercussions, the aftermath of all of
1: that. And we're still dealing with the aftermath right now. I mean, you know, all of the the covid the assist the programs that provide assistance as a result of COVID mm-hmm. are no longer um, around, but the effects are still lingers on. So,
0: yeah. Still getting through it. I think they officially stopped um, the funding for COVID this month, I think. Yeah, it
1: was fairly recent. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, you know, they they completely removed all the restrictions, and you access ask yourself what's so different from then to now besides what they're saying out loud yeah do you feel like it was all a mental thing, or you feel like it's something that actually happened COVID yeah
1: oh COVID was definitely real I saw people we saw the bodies we mm. saw the bodies the, 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 the meat trucks
0: so what's changed
1: well you we don't see the meat trucks anymore <laughs> for sure i know but what changed
0: like what stopped covid after a while like i don't think it was the vaccine to be honest it's just not really effective um
1: what stopped covid um you know in societies if, if you put something in society everyone has to get it mm-hmm. right because there was this theory that okay everyone everyone has to get covid COVID. Oh, herd and immunity. Then, yeah, herd immunity. Everyone has to get COVID and eventually things will die down and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure of the stats. I don't know like how many people are still dying from COVID to this day. Mm-hmm. But um, I think COVID was, was real. Mm-hmm. It's definitely real.
0: Were you outside during the entire time? Or did you go well, I was,
1: I was an essential worker as well. And um, with the population that i deal with the special need population at that time it was it was very hard and um at that time my mother was also sick the beginning the very beginning so um thank god that i didn't have to go to um a a nine to five per se and i was able to come and check with her and Mm -hmm. and just be there for her and um Mm -hmm. you know they they said that she had covid and i was like showering her and i was afraid for her i wasn't afraid for me because mm-hmm. w- w- what was um i was more afraid for people that have the diet related illnesses the mm-hmm. diabetes the high blood pressure the all of those things mm-hmm. um, because if your body is battered by that Illness mm-hmm. by the, by the diet related illnesses already, mm-hmm. then the likelihood of you being able to overcome COVID is much lower. Yeah, so I, I was very afraid to bring her something, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's just my whole experience with that was mm-hmm. just it taught me so many things, and actually, it's it's what kept me going. Mm-hmm. It it's what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. The times when I don't even want to go. Mm. Because, um, meaning, you know, I'm doing what I like to do, but, Mm -hmm. you know, times, there are times where things get a bit taxing Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a, the industry is wellness. So people are taking away from you. They're taking from your energy and you're, you're, you're a psychotherapist. So you understand that Like, you have to replenish yourself. You have to, you have to Like refill your cup, Mm -hmm. and um, just knowing that because like listen, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not gonna lie, like I I gave those doctors a hard time. Like I was not playing. Like not with my mom. Mm -hmm. Like I was on the phone with those doctors. Um, I was recording calls, listening to them to the next day. Say, well, you said this. You said her levels were this. Now today you're saying this what's going on and I spoke to residents because I spoke to residents Mm -hmm. that were so nervous because it was a lot that was going on I had to tell them it's okay calm down let me know what's going on Mm -hmm. explain to me what are her levels her oxygen levels what's going on with this what's going on with that like I spoke to people that were nervous Mm -hmm. and had to tell them to calm down Mm -hmm. which and I had to be compassionate because they're there front line I'm not I can't even go in Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, that experience with my mom and just the fight with her diet related illness that she encountered, It I I um, started the Gloria E. Simpson Foundation mm-hmm. um, because of that and Renewed supports the foundation to provide um, free access to uh, educational uh, workshops, uh, cooking classes. You know, to the community and um, so much came from that started renewed wholesome goods renewed wholesome goods um, a lot of my students when you teach them what to cook mm-hmm. how to cook how to get it and then um, they look to you to provide access because we use a lot of specialty goods so renewed specialty goods and um, all of that came about um as a result of my experience with my mom Mm -hmm. so a lot of businesses started in covid right Mm -hmm. and um you know that all came about from that experience so just the challenges that i had that that i had with um advocating for for my mother during that time um even before covid just advocating for her through the duration of her having or or dealing with diet related illnesses all of those things like fuel me so mm. when I have like nothing in me like I just just think back to a time mm. when I was a little girl and I would see her you know like you know just just having a hard time or you know just say hey bring the fan I need air and things like that you know that keeps me
0: going mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, as soon as I walked into the award show, like I think you were one of the first persons that I spoke to, and then you you, you referenced the show, and I was like, "How'd you know about the show?" You mm-hmm. just like, he's like, "So I'm like, it's Instagram." I'm like, "How you know Instagram?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was, well, now
1: I have to look up everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> This, I asked if you want to come on. He was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah." So, what made you want to come on?
1: Um, I saw like one of the um, the shows where you were just talking about um, you were you were just dropping gems to the the youth as mm-hmm. far as how to maneuver for success, and I think that that was that's what made me want to come on because you know. There weren't I didn't have anyone to listen to that was like, you know telling me like hey move like this move like that Like I didn't I didn't have that Mm -hmm. Like I had to develop that I had to learn from trial and error. I had to learn from you know, the 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 Mentors at work Mm because everyone I I like kind of got like a mother at every job Like there was Mm -hmm. always someone that was like, okay I'm gonna take her under my wing, you know? Mm-hmm. I had to learn from those experiences but you know just to to, to see you talking about that um, it was
0: positive
1: and and I like the content so I said why
0: not appreciate it appreciate it yeah you're doing a good job <laughs> thanks I'm trying I mean and you also asked like what was the inspiration behind all this why you asked that
1: oh uh, because you know people have a purpose they they're inspired everyone is inspired when you see someone doing something mission based mm-hmm. it has they're inspired by something mm-hmm. right so I knew that you had a unique story mm-hmm. that um, caused you to want to talk to the youth and you know just talk to your community so that's why I asked yeah so
0: what's I think growing up, majority of my friends, um, they grew up without their fathers. Mm. One of my neighbors, um, his parents had got divorced. Um, his parents were both attorneys, they got divorced. His father moved, so he grew up without our father. My other neighbor, his parents divorced, his father moved. <laughs> he grew up without a father, my other neighbor. His father was in jail, so he grew up without a father. Another neighbor, the, the father and the mother, was going through domestic violence. Mm-hmm. The father left, my other neighbor, his father left. So it was like I was the oldest one on the block. So so all of them, you know, they came up under me and we used to like play basketball in the backyard and every time I would have an interaction, whether it be with like females or at a job or anything that was going on we would all gather around the backyard and we just talk about it, you know. <laughs> and nice, I'm like nice. I'm like, Oh, come, come. We'll tell you tell your story. You know, even right. up until today, you know, we still have that brotherhood. And we grew up together, you know, even from being each other's best man, like, you know, um, going through fatherhood, going through different situations in life, you know, um, we shared that brotherhood. And I seen how much it impacted each other, you know, up until what I was telling you earlier, up until 2015, 2016, when I was um, nominated youth director by my church. And, you know, that was the first time I was in official position as a youth director. And then eventually, eventually I was ordained and I became a youth minister. And even, you know, going to different churches and then becoming part of a federation under churches and going to different churches in different states, just preaching and ministering to them and having these programs and then, you know, doing it professionally, you know, having group therapy with them now and speaking to them. I see the impact that it has on them, you know, getting use from inner cities, from, you know, different communities, whether it be Canarsie, Flatbush, East New York, Brownsville, then going back into your neighborhood and feeding and, like, giving people clothes and helping them out, you know, and then even being able to make the newspaper off of just doing a good deed, and then, you know, or even seeing yourself on TV, just having a conversation with your friend or someone you grew up with, like, it's, amazing to them but it has become regular to us and we continue to push it and continue to build upon that because mm-hmm. all things are possible right like if mm-hmm. you would have told me years ago i would have a television show i am like yeah you you you're talking nonsense you know <laughs> like you know all these things that came to fruition even recently being able to close on our ten thousand square foot building for our church and community center like even
1: that's coming a for name. that and, and that took 30 years you know <laughs> that's, 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 that's a big thank you and you know
0: <laughs> we we actually bought the block so you know seeing things like that come into light like i know that i was placed here for for a bigger purpose and i even said it during my Mebo accepted speech like you know the small amount of success that we've had thus far is nothing compared to what we'll have to do in the future but while we still doing it we have to help those that are still on their way up you know and i feel like i've done enough in brooklyn i've done enough in new york but i haven't done enough in my own country mm. so i need to go back home and you know go back
1: yeah
0: do the work well, too. i'm not
1: i'm not gonna lie on that you know um some of the people that i know that are grinding are so like well you're not doing that in Guyana." i was like i wasn't invited <laughs> <laughs> wow! I was like, I wasn't invited. Invite me, and I will come.
0: <laughs> wow. So why don't you invite yourself and just go?
1: Yeah, you know it's Good like life. just like you, like you know it's mm-hmm. it's your 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 origins, mm-hmm. but for some reason you were led to a specific call in a different calling in at a specific time, a different time. I'm sure I would love to, mm-hmm. if you're Guyanese, and you're out there, you're a listener, um, just know that I am more than willing to come to Guyana um, to provide services through the Louis E. Simpson Foundation um, in Guyana, so mm-hmm. reach
0: out, I'm available. Okay, cool, 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 yeah, and it's kind of biblical, they said that it's always hard, it's, it's the hardest for a minister to minister to his own people or to the people from his own community or to go back home and minister, you know, whichever interpretation you want to use. And I feel like that is hard, you know. Um, You can always go someplace else, create a new identity or be someone new or be yourself, even, you know, some people call it. But then when you go back home, people base you upon who they knew, you know, and they did it to Christ. They're trying to say they don't value you the same. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's almost like (laughs) I had to do it, you know, like, As big as I became over the years, you know, um, I still attended the same church and was around the same people. And then I started going around people that they would act almost as if I wasn't as influential as I was so that they could take advantage of me and my services almost like like they putting me down to put me under them a little bit. And so I had to remove myself from the situation and like, wait, I don't really need these people. I could just do my own thing, you know? And sometimes you're more powerful within your absence, and I had to learn that. Like, Mm -hmm. I had to not be so available to Mm -hmm. people, and I had to live within my exclusivity, so I had to do that, you know? Because if people see me all the time, they're probably like, all right, we see this guy around all the time. But if you barely see me, they're like, all right, you know, I'm busy. I'm doing things. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what
1: works. Yeah,
0: (laughs) eventually, you know? And let them live through your pitches. For sure. <laughs> for
1: sure, for sure. Sometimes you have to you have to take that approach. Yeah. When you're not your Distance.
0: Yep. So if you believe that people were a closing thought, what would it be?
1: Find your purpose. Hmm. Find your purpose. Whatever it is that you um do well, keep doing it. Develop that. You know, there's and And just because you see someone um, doing something already, it doesn't mean that you don't that you shouldn't do it you know um, there's room for so much on this planet, and um, we should make use of that we should create.
0: Mm. Mm. And my closing thought would be to never stop dreaming. I think that's what me and Monique both agreed upon, that at times people could say that things are impossible, but some things are impossible until somebody does them, right? Mm -hmm. Until someone makes it impossible, right? They claim that no one could walk on the moon. Um, They claim that all these things couldn't be done until they were done before, you know? And And once they were done one time, they would... They, they were broken over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again, you know. But one person had to make that giant step for man, giant leap for mankind. <laughs> so, yeah. so be that person to make that step, you know. We step it into our purpose, you know, um, and being acknowledged for it, which is good. But the work is more so important. And it's time for you guys all to step into your purpose. If you need mentorships, you can up me and Monique, of course. And also, there's a whole bunch of mentors. Whoever you look up to, reach out to them. You never know. They might reach back out to you and just show love and, you know, pay it forward. Once you get it, pay it forward to someone else and spread the love. It's the Brooklyn way. So so we thank you for joining us tonight. Shout out to everybody for supporting. Shout out to everybody for watching The Real Word. Shout out to everybody that has subscribed to our YouTube. That's www.youtube.com backslash TV. You can also catch us on the Brick Network every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, we're also coming to Bronxnet, so check us out on Bronxnet. We're coming to the Bronx as well. Um, if you like only podcasts, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, of course, um, wherever podcast is found. And also you could also catch us everywhere, Anyway, Just Google the Real World Ministries. So we thank you for joining us. We close out with a prayer. You want to pray for us? You <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for this ability to be here with you. We thank you for this ability to come together as one. We you continue to bless all the works that we have done and the works that we continue to do. I actually bless my sister Monique as well as her business and everything that she's doing. or her steps, Lord. Order my steps as well. Continue to bless this platform and the work that we're doing with the Real Word and with the Real Word TV and the Real Word Ministries. Shout out to all our supporters and we thank you, Lord, for blessing them as well. We thank you in the name of your son as we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for
0: having me. Thank you. So peace and blessings, everyone. Good night and God bless. Take care.